right, I'm currently on the phone with uh, Stephen Gary. He's another musician that reached out about the interview series. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the chance to introduce himself. All right. Hello. Thank you, uh, Alexander. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Stephen Gary. I am born and raised in San Jose, California. Um, I moved to Hollywood uh, seeking fame and fortune. Uh, wound up uh, working on a cruise ship from there, coming back to the Bay Area and recently uh, took myself out to Music City. Now I'm living in Nashville and uh, still pursuing the dream after all these years. All right. Very cool. Uh, we'll definitely talk about some of that. Um, but to get started, let's talk about when you first encountered music. You know, what was it that made you want to pursue a life with it? Uh, when did you first come in contact with it? Uh, you know, how did that all start? It started really probably at about age three. My mother tells the story about this. And when I was two, two and a half, three years old, uh, like like most kids, I was a holy terror. I was always running around. I never stood still. I, um, except for half an hour in the afternoon. Now this goes back, I'm, I'm kind of a geezer here. So this goes back to the late fifties when there was a lot of local programming, especially during the daytime on television. And so in the middle of the afternoon in the San Francisco Bay area, there was this half hour music program, which was 15 minutes of a classical violinist and 15 minutes of a local folk singer. And so according to my mother, that was the only moment of the day where she got any peace from me, is I would sit absolutely transfixed for that half hour, watching the violinist, watching the folk singer. And I still have the little music book that we got from that folk singer. Her name was Weber. And the, the, this, this little booklet with like five or six little folk songs on it that, that my mom obviously got me because she saw my interest. So would you say um, that your relationship with music kind of started more doing vocals and things like that? Yeah. Um, I remember when I was five, this I remember myself, and I was playing in a sandbox, and I heard this song, um, and I started making up words, new words to it as I was playing, and I was just kind of like describing what I was doing to myself, just making up new words to this song. So that's basically the first time I remember singing. And uh, then um, it just carried on from there into, you know, singing in the choir and then doing uh, musical theater. And then, you know, in, in, in high school, starting to learn popular music and sing. So, yeah, I've always been primarily vocal. And... You mentioned that you did go through uh, choir in school. Uh, did you do any like church choir or anything like that? Was church in your life? Not really. Um, never got into church choir. Uh, I started in junior high in in choir there, and 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 then um, and our choir in the junior high was doing musical theater, and so I wound up doing doing that basically starring in all the junior high school musicals and uh, uh so tell me about how you began to pursue music kind of after high school uh and when did you start picking up an instrument i, I got my first guitar when i was six years old my uh, grandfather was got me this little half-sized spanish guitar and um and then when i was seven i started taking lessons and after a year, I quit. And um, 
this is something that you know it's a problem in the music field because or in any field really if you start trying to give somebody some information without any without giving them what the purpose is it's very difficult for a person to then absorb it or even understand why they're telling them this so at age eight my music teacher started trying to teach me music theory and and i didn't understand it and i didn't know why he was talking to me about this stuff and it didn't make any sense and i quit because i just wanted to play and i wanted to sing and i wanted to learn the instrument and all of that stuff didn't mean anything to me and uh i, I wound up years later going to uh I started picking up guitar again when I was 14 on my own. And uh, I went back to my friend Howard. He and I started playing guitar at the same time, but he continued to pursue it. So I went back to him and say, okay, catch me up on all this music theory. <laughs> okay. So eventually you did kind of figure out that it, you, you needed it at least a little bit. Yeah. Well, I started, I started to understand what it was for. You know, uh, when I was eight, I had no clue. I didn't care. <laughs> well how did he think between those two periods of time from when you started playing guitar to eventually kind of learning that you needed theory were you uh just learning like popular songs or just songs in general i have an incredibly broad spectrum of influences and and this shows up now i have a i have a repertoire of something on the order of 1600 songs you know, including, you know, it's like in addition to my own original material, which we haven't even touched on yet, I just learned everything. Just I loved it all. Like I said, you know, you see that from the beginning with like the folk musician and the classical musician. And then I picked up big band music from my parents. And then when I, I uh, when I was 10, I started playing trumpet. And so then I started playing classical music. So I started picking up classical music. And then I got into musical theater and I started picking up musical theater. And then when I got into high school, I started playing in the jazz band. So now I'm picking up jazz, right? And it really wasn't until I was 15 that I started paying attention to popular music on the radio. Okay, okay. So you were doing choir and band in school simultaneously. Okay, perfect. Um, so let's jump forward a little bit. Um, tell me about, you know, once you kind of felt comfortable on the instrument, um, did you begin writing songs immediately or did you start working with other musicians? Uh, how did that process go for you? Um, I was really on my own as a guitar player. I was totally on my own. Um, I was playing in band. I was playing, still playing trumpet in high school. So I was playing in the jazz band and the concert band and, and uh, even in the marching band. Um, and so uh, that was kind of my group playing experience, but I was just kind of like your, your basic like folky uh, guy with the guitar. And I didn't start writing music until I was 17. And it was a really bizarre thing. I was out at a, at a summer, um, summer school program uh, on the, uh, University of California, Riverside. And uh, the last night that it was there, a friend of mine and I decided we wanted to pick up some souvenirs. So we started going around uh, the campus to um, steal a couple of uh, signs, you know, indicated 
the university. We just decided to rip a couple of signs. To, at any rate, we ran into some adventures in doing that, and we decided to commemorate it by writing a song about it. And we rewrote the lyrics to an old folk song. And that was my introduction into songwriting. And then for some reason then, I just started getting into it, and I kept a notepad with me at all times. And I started writing down lyrics, and I started writing down songs, and I would spend, uh, you know, most of my senior year in high school then was spent, I would come home, and then I'd go into my room, I'd pick up my guitar, I'd play, I'd sing, I'd write, and then that's how I got into it. Okay, so it wasn't uh, something that happened after school. You you were kind of diving into the writing and creating component of it pretty early on. Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of uh, talk about how that all kind of transitioned into like your early adult life. How did you continue to have music? Was it just uh, you writing on your own or were you performing with a band or anything? Yeah, I stayed on my own. I didn't get the first band I was in was um what? A country band that I was in briefly when I was 26. So I didn't do kind of the normal rock and roll thing of, you know, working out in the garage with my high school buddies. Um I just kind of stayed stayed on my own and I, you know, I, I wasn't a very real prolific writer, but I got better at it, you know. And then I went through college and I was studying. Um, I tried the music major program. I went to University of California, Berkeley. In the time, I don't know the way it is now, but at the time, the music major program was designed to create music teachers. And so after a year of that, I went, well, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to write. You know, I don't want to be a music teacher. This is not my thing. So I dropped that <clears throat> and just continued to work on my own. And then. Uh, left school, went into the workaday world. And then a um, couple of years later, a friend of mine, the guy that I co-wrote that first song back in Riverside all those years before, he contacted me and he said, well, you know, I've got this friend whose boyfriend has a friend at Capitol Records. And, and based on that, I quit my job, threw everything into my car and moved to Hollywood. <laughs> all right. <Fair> <laughs> And so I went down, did a demo. My friend loved it. He gave it to his friend. She liked it. She gave it to her boyfriend. He didn't like it. And that was the end of that. Um, but I stayed in Hollywood for a dozen years. And uh, started kind of working my way up to being a professional musician. Okay, so you spent time uh, gigging around like the Hollywood music scene then? Yeah. I didn't do the Sunset Strip. I didn't do, again, I was still kind of a folky, you know, in, in a time when the big thing was hair bands. And so um, I just kind of kind of set that aside for quite a while and just kind of worked on my craft as, as a working musician. And so I started, you know, I did the coffee shop scene a little bit. But mainly, you know, it's like I started getting into bands and playing top 40 gigs and, you know, playing it. At, at weddings and parties and clubs and things like that. And so that's kind of where that all went to eventually. So um, tell me about the transition from Hollywood to Nashville. Okay, it was a long stretch in between. Um, what, what happened was uh, I got a call to come be music director on a, uh, a cruise ship. And I did that for 15 years. Oh, okay. Very nice. 
And so that was an absolute blast. It was just running around in the Caribbean and got a chance to work with some amazing, amazing people and, um, and you know, perform for amazing people. I, I, I performed for tens of thousands of people in, you know, on all of the islands and in Mexico and Venezuela. Um, I got to perform with, uh, you know, amazing folks and I continued to write and we did do some of my material uh, there on the, on the ship. And I, I got to learn from some of the people that came on board that uh, I got to work with. It was a tremendous learning experience. And uh, then I, my uh, mother passed away and my father was on his own and I didn't like that idea. So I left the ship and came back to San Jose and I was, that's another dozen years. So we're, we're long, you know, I say I'm a geezer. There's a long track. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 15 years on the cruise ship. That's a, that's not an insignificant time. Not an insignificant time, but you know, I got to work with, uh, you know, amazing people, people that, um, you know, the modern generation wouldn't know, but you can look them up. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Definitely. You know, um, but at any rate, uh, so I got to work with uh, did, did a number of years working with a lady named Maxine Nightingale, who was kind of a disco diva in the 70s. Oh, sure. I recognize that name. Uh, um, our keyboard player, when I first got there, was a girl named Liana Korea. Her father is Chick Korea. Um, and for those who don't know, Chick, uh, who passed away just a, a year or two ago, is kind of a jazz god. Right. Uh, I'll have to look that up. I'm not familiar. Basically, the only person that has more Grammys than him is Beyonce. Right, that's uh, that's that's a hefty weight to haul around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at any rate, you know, I got to work with him, and I got to work with a number of other people like that, and uh, you learn a lot that way. Um, but I came back into the Bay Area and kind of set up shop, and was kind of going double, you know, working on my own music and just you know performing all around town. And um, I'd always had Nashville in the back of my mind. One of the things uh, during my college career, our, I was in the marching band there, and the marching band put a, a variety show together that toured um, the country in my senior year. And the first place we stopped was a little town right outside of Nashville called Hendersonville. And I just fell in love with Tennessee. I fell in love with the Nashville area. And so it's been a goal of mine to get back there for a long, long, long time. And so when my father passed away, I had no reason really to be in the Bay Area anymore. And I started looking at, well, it's time to go to Nashville. And, uh, and you know, well, the combination of, of course, it's Music City as a songwriter. And as I, I really wanted to concentrate more on my writing, that was really the place that I needed to be. And then just the area is beautiful. The people are very welcoming. It's a cooperative atmosphere. Um, and uh, so, you know, everybody works with everybody there. It's very collaborative instead of competitive. You know, you don't look at a, a somebody and go, he's really good. I hate him. You look at somebody and go, he's really good. I'm going to work with him. Sure. I, I have heard that about the Nashville music scene that, since it's a lot of uh, session music musicians, they're a lot more open to collaboration and working together. But that's kind of the way people move up. 
this is what I've heard. There's like generations of songwriters and performers. They kind of move up as a group, you know, because they work together and collaborate and learn and, and, and feed each other. And it's really, really a beautiful scene. Okay. So uh, let's talk about um, now that you're, you know, in Nashville, kind of getting into the scene of it. Uh, is that also kind of where your current project came from and stemmed out of, you know, wanting to, you know, contribute to that music scene? Yeah. Well, the music industry has changed so dramatically, you know, during the time that I've been around. And it's very much nowadays, you know, with the advent of the Internet, it became very much a do-it-yourself enterprise. The, the, the almighty record deal is not the thing anymore. I mean, it still exists, but it's not nearly as important as it used to be. It's not the only way to go anymore, by far. You know, there's so many independent artists uh, that are doing well. And so um, I was working, uh, I, one of the things that I started doing because it's a collaborative atmosphere is I started doing a lot of co-writing. I really hadn't done any co-writing before I came to Nashville. Um, and it, partly because it really wasn't my nature, but partly because the talent pool wasn't there. Um, as far as I was concerned, I'd progressed quite a ways. I've been doing it a long time. It was difficult to find people that that would, would challenge me or that I didn't feel like I was like dragging them along. So I got to Nashville and now I've got people that, you know, I want to work with. And I had one writing partner and we were building up quite a bit of material. And it's like, what are we going to do with it? You know, and so we decided to get together with a friend of mine who's kind of a social media guru. And from that, we decided that what we needed to do was go ahead and form a group and, and start promoting things in that fashion. So uh, the group that we formed is called Mockingbird Canyon Road. It's an alt-country rock band. And... Uh, we're just beginning to get going. We've done a few shows, and now we're putting together all of the uh, infrastructure, I guess you could say. You know, all the all the marketing, all the marketing aspects and branding, and and you know the social media and stuff. And that's just beginning to get going. Sure. So, are you guys uh, currently in the process of uh, recording like a first album kind of thing, or are you like picking and choosing the best stuff from all the stuff that you previously written? Yeah, I mean, this is what we did. The, the first thing we decided to do is we decided to put together a set, like a showcase set, one hour show. And so half of it is um, stuff that we've co-written, and then the other half is the stuff that we've drawn from yeah, what he's done previously, what I've done previously that fit into the mold that we're working on. One of the problems that I've always had, and the same thing with my partner, his name is Don Panzik, uh, one of the problems that we both have is that we're very kind of eclectic in our um in our writing you know so it, it's like winding up with uh, a blues tune one day and then writing a jazz tune the next day and the next day it's a reggae tune and so when, when people ask me well what's your style i'm like i, I have no idea but um the, the first album that i did was just a uh, a guitar guitar and vocal album and i called it eclectic acoustic is that because it, it just genre hops between songs so much yeah exactly eclectic is just drawn from many sources and like i say it's like you can hear folk and rock and blues and broadway and reggae and all of the different influences that i've had over my life 
you know, whatever I immerse myself in, that's what I start writing. Sure. And that's what they say. The best writers write what they know. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah. Well, so tell me about, you know, some of your favorite memories. What kind of stands out to you, you know, from being in the Bay Area and then being on the cruise ship for 15 years and then being in Nashville? What are some of the memories that stand out to you that just keep you motivated and continue to do it? Um, wow. Uh, there there have been so many. I had tremendous, tremendous experiences on the ship. I think the first one that stands out, I suppose, is performing with Chick Corea. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, he's, he's up on the top of Mount Everest and I'm, I'm down in death Valley, you know, as far as, 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 as talent and, you know, he's just got, I have such tremendous, amazing respect for him. And he was so generous, uh, in, in his uh, acceptance of me on stage with him, you know, and just his communication with me on stage and his granting me, you know, it's like, <laughs> I remember it was like, we're doing this song and he points to me, take it. I'm going to do a solo in front of one of the master improvisation people of all time. And, and it's like, I just kind of froze at first and he's looking at me and just beaming at me like, you're great. You're going to be great. This is going to be awesome. And now I can't let him down. You know, it's like, and and that generosity of spirit is something that I try to emulate and bring with me to every performance that I do. It changed me dramatically. Um, that that was like, say, just a, a pivotal moment for me in my life. And um, another another one was a uh, the opportunity that I had to have different people perform my songs it's it's a, a thrill you know it's one thing to perform a song and it's another to hear for somebody else to go i think that song is good enough for me to sing so for instance working with maxine nightingaling and having her sing my songs and um uh just very other people that it, that, that did that there was a lady that came on board that is actually an ambassador uh on from the island of dominica and one of the top singers in the caribbean and she sang and um there was another fellow who is my hero as a songwriter his name is david pomerantz david wrote hits in the 70s and 80s and continues to be heard today um if you don't know his name but but he's very very well respected in songwriting circles and um he chose one of my songs to sing which is just a tremendous, tremendous thrill and joy for me. Um, I think uh, coming off and coming into San Jose, uh, one of the biggest thrills there was I did a week of shows with Martha Reeves. Martha Reeves is uh, leader of the group Martha and the Vandellas. Their most famous song is Dancing in the Streets. Okay, sure. Okay. And... Um, it's it's really bizarre, you know. I had this experience on the ship and and there to play songs that I've been playing all my life, but the person in front of me is that's the voice that's on the radio. That's the voice that's on the record. You know, it it it's still it still just blows my mind having that occur. That's that's wild, but I mean that's awesome that you got that opportunity to kind of you know play with the people that you know you admire. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, there, there's one other. Um, we did a, a on the ship. We did a, a Broadway review, and it was um, a special presentation that we did for a convention that we had on board. And so there were three of us up front. There was me, and there was Maxine, and there's another lady. Her name's Judy Norton Taylor. Judy uh, was on the Waltons. She played Mary Ellen. Um, which again is more significant to my generation than perhaps younger people today. But but I, I can I can tell you that pretty much everybody in my generation was in love with Mary Ellen. Every every man was in, every kid was in love with Mary Ellen. Um, and, uh, and 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 so I'm up there singing, and I've got Maxine on one side of me, and I've got Judy on the other side of me, and I'm like, what did I do right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, quite a situation to find yourself in, for sure. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned that you have somebody doing your social media and stuff. Uh, where can people follow you and then, you know, check you out when you're out there doing shows and putting out relief? Right. So uh, my own uh, website is stephengary.net. And so you can find the solo stuff there. The uh, The band's name is MockingbirdCanyonRoad.com. And uh, you can find links to all our social media on that. So we're, you know, we're all, we're on Facebook, we're on uh, um, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can find music uh, under Stephen Gary uh, on uh, iTunes and Spotify. And then uh, the Mockingbird Canyon Roads music is coming up. There's some stuff on YouTube right now um, from uh, our first couple of shows. And you can get an idea of what's coming up. But there's an EP coming up. We're not going to be doing an album just yet. First right now is an EP. And uh, that's coming up. We did recording for that uh, last week. And uh, we're going to be doing a video shoot next week. So we're just starting to we're starting to build things up here. And uh, so, so come on to uh, the Facebook page on Mockingbird Canyon Road. Let us know that you're there. And if you want to... Um, sign on for uh, future information awesome very cool um so i always like to give the person i'm interviewing the opportunity to put out their last word so what's a message that you think people should true to yourself that is uh probably the biggest and most important thing that i can say about about anything be true to your own goals be true to your own self be true to your own ideals um People fall prey to so much in the music industry. And um, if you stay true to yourself and to your own goals and your own ideals, um, you know, whatever amount of success you may or may not have, the important thing is you can look in the mirror and be good about, feel good about yourself no matter what.